1: Ah, hello, 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 and welcome to the Morgan Man Sports Podcast, wherever you may be getting your podcast from, SoundCloud.com, Google Play Podcast, Spotify, and on YouTube. Guys, we got a loaded show for you all today, so without any further ado, let's get started. The first subject that comes to my mind is, are the Atlanta Falcons already a top five offense in the NFL? My answer is yes, they are. So I'm going to base this off the off of NFL.com where Chris Wessling on the around the NFL podcast made an article on the NFL.com stating that the Atlanta Falcons, in his opinion, are in the in the number four section of his top five offenses going into 2019, 2020 NFL season. And he gives the quarterback position an A minus, backfield a B minus, receiver corpse A and offensive line B. Well, in my opinion, the, the Atlanta Falcons quarterback situation is actually an A plus because normally you get Matty Ice, the 2016 NFL MVP, league MVP at that throwing up stats like it's just crazy and Matt Schaub definitely can make some great plays whenever Matt Ryan needs to be substituted for, like a like a snap or two, and definitely can can do something on that the offensive side of the ball and give the receivers plenty of room or just just whatnot like that. And Matt Schaub can stay in the pocket just as well as Matt Ryan can too. Now Matt Ryan can definitely move around a little bit more than Matt Shaw, but Matt Shaw loves that pocket. He trusts it like Matt like and and I'm not down to Matt Ryan for this because Matt Ryan, I he will sometimes like run out of the pocket to, you know, search for something else better uh instead of staying in it. But still, I mean, it's not like every play he does that. So, but still, I'll give it an A plus on the quarterback situation because we get the league MVP and you got a Solid backup quarterback. <clears throat> for Backfield, uh, I actually give it a B in this situation because Devontae Freeman is coming off injury uh, for the whole year, pretty much, minus two games. Idris Smith is coming off an injury as well. I mean, but he did play in you know, a lot more games than Devontae Freeman. Quadre uh Brian Hill, and on Barner are definitely great backups. In this uh, particular role. For when it comes to running back. receiver uh This To me this gets an A plus as well. Uh, Julio Jones. Calvin Ridley. Muhammad Sanu. Austin Hooper. Justin Hardy. Marcus Green. And Luke Stoker. Uh, or Stoker. If I'm pronouncing that right. <clears throat> definitely offensive weapons. That can definitely. You know. Go into three man coverage. And make a play still happen. Like. So, all right, let's just say Matty Ice, Matt Ryan. He's throwing from the one-yard line in their territory all the way down to, like, the 30-yard line in enemy territory. And you got Julio Jones going down there. He's going to be a three-man coverage because if he's going that deep and the, the defense already knows it, yeah, they're going to go that deep and they're going to have that many people covering Julio Jones. Julio Jones has that ability to jump up grab the ball and secure it in three-man coverage and make the Falcons uh, just have a bigger chance of getting a touchdown than anybody else. And Calvin Ridley has that same ability. Muhammad Sanu has that same ability. Austin Hooper. I actually would compare Austin Hooper to a Rob Gronkowski situation because... Austin Hooper, he can get in these tight areas, being a big guy, and make a play happen and give you that ten plus yards on almost every single down that there is. Offensive line: Jake Matthews, Caleb McGarry, Chris Linsom, James Carpenter, Alex Max, Jamie Brown, and Ty Sambarlo. If I'm pronouncing that right, so please don't butcher me for mispronouncing that name <laughs> if I'm if I am, but uh Chris Westland gives us a B minus. I'm gonna give it a B plus because no one, you got your two rookies in there, but still they are like legitimately like ready for day one starter positions because they're they're big, they're athletic, they can protect their quarterback like no like no other guard can. And uh, Chris Lindstorm, he is my, I'm, I'm like, I'm like high on him right now because he has that foot, he has that football IQ of knowing when a rusher is coming through. He, I mean, it's like, boom, he's already on him. Caleb McGarry, you know, if you could teach him how to be patient, He would be deadly just like a Chris Limstorm would be. Uh, Alex Mack, definitely, he's your center Does snap the ball to Matt Ryan. But as soon as he snaps that ball and, you know, to Matt Ryan, he's, he's hands it already up in that defender's, uh, well, excuse me, that, uh, defensive player's face, uh, blocking them, everything. So I will definitely love the offensive line going into 2019, 2020 season. The Falcons thought they had their blocking woes solved with Matt Schreiner, if I'm pronouncing it right. And Harris at right tackle Brandon Fusco signed away from San Francisco from from San Francisco, excuse me, and Andy Levitry holding down the other guard spot. All three are gone, replaced by rookies Chris Lindstorn and Caleb McGarry, as well as free agent acquisitions, James Carpenter, and Jamie Brown. Void in buying the of a pair of first round picks, this unit should stand a much better chance of keeping Matt Ryan upright in 2019. Because if you forget about 2018, Matt Ryan was sacked numerous times. The offensive line was horrible. So, uh, doubt anybody could doubt the NFL, I mean, excuse me, the Atlanta Falcons first round draft picks going O line is very wrong because Going O-line was definitely what we needed to. Yes, we could have picked up some other positions, but that's what the college free agency is for. The best remaining players that are available still get signed. So I like what the Falcons had done in the NFL draft. So I'm going to go ahead and shift over to WWE. Releasing the wild card system that allows three stars from Raw to go to SmackDown and three stars from SmackDown go to Raw. <sighs> Guys, this right here is just honestly, why in the hell did you make up the superstar shakeup to begin with? If we're going to have three stars from either brand go, you know, vice versa, that beats the purpose of it. But. We're reading some articles from PW Unlimited, uh, Sheet, from all the wrestling news organizations, Vince is doing this to boost ratings heading into October, which is just honestly, oh my goodness, like five six months away, and I you no know, actually yeah five five months away because uh, this is May, yep so five months away from October and. The ratings are down, like, you know, tremendously. SmackDown has a low rating. I mean, it's still, it's still outperforming Raw a little bit better because of how storylines and everything else is written. Or, no, excuse me, of how well they can pack something into a two-hour format. Oh, excuse me, sorry. And unlike Raw, where they have three hours, but it's just like, just, ugh, like, why? <laughs> so... But this wild card effect uh, Is happening every week now I, I really just despise Of the wild card effect Because number one it gets rid of The Superstar shakeup. Number two how are you going to treat this Going into Survivor Series And number three Is this going to be around even after Smackdown goes on Raw And is producing three million Plus viewers every single episode I don't think it is I think the fans are getting tired of the the lackluster, um, you know, just the the lackluster of the storylines of how the 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 wrestlers are wrestling for Pete's sakes, and how these feuds just go on forever, and and how Vince is treating the wrestlers too. It's just not. And it's not the wrestler's fault, you know, that a storyline is you know sucks or whatever. It's Vince and the writing committee that is going backstage. Uh, And you know, this is breaking news, not for the people that are currently listening to this, because you're just probably now finding out if you haven't noticed. But AEW next Wednesday will be announcing that their TV deal with TNT is in full effect, and probably will uh, showcase like dates. Uh, that they could possibly go with, I, and I actually put it on the comment for PW Unlimited because they they were the first ones to report it. But having AEW come into the TV on in fall, it would not surprise me honestly if they went with a Friday night taping along with SmackDown, and if AEW produces more views than a uh, smackdown in October, Vince is definitely gonna be sweating bullets and he's gonna have to come up with a God given miracle to produce more views than AEW around that time. But I'm not I'm I have to wait and see what Wednesday is gonna hold next Wednesday, excuse me, is gonna hold for AEW. If they do announce that it's gonna be on a Friday in October, like every single Friday I'm going to blast it out on Twitter. <laughs> uh, so, guys, let me know what you think about the wildcard system in the comment section down below on Google, SoundCloud, Spotify, and anywhere that you're getting your podcast from. So now I'm going to transition over into my final subject, and that is, is it too early to say that Optic Gaming needs to win out the rest of their Pro League scrims and events to stay relevant in the CWL? Uh, you know, for for this kind of subject right here is kind of hard to explain a little bit because Optic has a very big fan base. They're getting all these sponsors from like Nissan, Turtle Wax. Um, I mean, just just everywhere. Uh, Champion the the clothing brand, and the fans love Optic Gaming despite losing at an event, and 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 I still love them. Despite them losing at like the Pro League scrims or an event like London and um, Fort Worth, I really do. But now, how long is that going to be continuing on? Because Optic is one of the oldest CWL rosters that there is. So, and plus, you got Scump, who already has said that he was going to retire last season, but then, you know, came back. Um, this season, and TJ. I mean, he is still he's still developing, but he is a big star in his right name. And if uh, in his Crim6 Crim is he's a two time or I think a three time world champion, and he loves the game. He really loves the game. I see him playing in his like thirties. <laughs> I mean, seriously, but. Crimsix I think honestly, will probably be requested for a release uh once the off season begins for the next Call of Duty, which will probably be Modern Warfare 4, uh just give or take in that certain situation. But once the offseason starts, I really think Crimsix Six is gonna ask for a release just because how Skump and, and the rest of the Optic crew just kinda Lays back and not really care that much. I mean, they care, but whenever they're streaming, they're just like, "Oh yeah, dude, whatever, what the fuck, you know." We'll, I don't care if we lose every single scrim or whatever. Or, you know, we're still making money or just just something like that. But Kremzik's he loves the game, and I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, if he requested for release and goes to phase, I, I just wouldn't. And so. You got the pro league matchup starting up Mond- uh, Monday, and Optics going to be facing Gen G. So, like I said, they—I think—they honestly have to win up the rest of their pro league scrims and at least one more event to stay relevant. Because if you don't, these fans that still continue to support you. Then it's going to kind of like just decrease and decrease and decrease till there's just no fans supporting you despite, you know, losing. Um, and, and I really hate to say that because, like I said, I've been a fan with Optic f- forever since the black of two days. And, and I don't want to see this, this, pr- this Call of Duty clan. If that's what they used to call them, or just, you know, just, just gaming organization to just die. I, I want to see them win championships. I want to see them win every single tournament and event that takes place. But, honestly, things need to change, and it needs to start with the pro scrims that are, uh, the pro league matches that are starting Monday, Um they got a win over Genji because they're, if I'm not saying, I think they're still undefeated in S and D in the, the pro league matchups that happen, you know, during weekdays. If optic can win against them and show potential headed into CW Anaheim. Oh my God. It, it will be amazing. And then not only that, but your CW finals. It's going to be July 19th through the 21st. And that's in Miami Beach Convention Center in Miami, Florida. So the finals is really just going to be after CW Anaheim. And I'm just, guys, I'm telling you, it's coming quick for this offseason. It really is. And I just, I don't want to see Optic just fade away like this. I want them, I want them to succeed when, when out the rest of these pro league matchups and go into Anaheim win it and tell the rest of these uh, competitive teams hey look we're here to stay for a very long time y'all thought we were going to fade away into the darkness no uh-uh. uh, but again if you're an Octa fan I wouldn't worry too much because the way they performed at CWO London that Mon- uh, excuse me Friday and Saturday Man, that if they can approve upon that and not do what they did that Sunday, and just work out the Kings, this team will be unstoppable headed to the CWO Finals. But guys, that is all the time I have for today. But I sure hope you did enjoy today's podcast. If you did, make sure that like button on SoundCloud.com, Google Play Podcast, Spotify, and on YouTube. Till then, guys, I, Camarilla, we'll catch you all later.
0: Peace.